Hi. Welcome. Show. Jonathan. <laughs> Bebop. Not. Cool. <laughs> if you don't know what's happening here, I've worked some more magic on Jonathan. Thanks to listener Jameson Hearn for the idea. Now, Jonathan can only speak in one-word sentences, and let's be honest, I think we're all better off. True. Wait. No. <sighs> but you have to admit, it's kind of funny. Ha. See? Ha. Okay, well, since Jonathan is a little unable to say this, I might as well say that if you remember what happened in the last episode, the explorers had stopped the magic jammers, but on their way home, Bunce collapsed outside the explorer pod. Is he okay? Will he recover? What will they do? Find out in today's episode of the Alien Avengers of Fincaspian. Frankenstein's Bunster. Bunce slid off the side of the pod and crumpled on the ground, passed out. Dad! shouted Juliana and ran to him, shaking him. Help! she cried. The next moments were a blur. Foggy lifted Bunce onto the explorer pod and the explorers clambered in. Abigail piloted them quickly back to the Shakespeare. On the trip back, everyone was mostly silent. Bunce sat slumped and propped against Foggy. He was breathing and appeared to be in a deep, deep sleep. Every few seconds, Juliana would squeeze his hand or shake his shoulder, but his eyelids never lifted. When the pod docked on the Shakespeare, Foggy lifted Bunce onto his shoulder and the troop raced through the halls. They didn't have to say where they were going. They all knew they had a race to the medical bay. The med bay on the Marlow was like a mini hospital. It was one large room carved into smaller rooms for patient privacy. The doctors aboard the Marlow treated the astronauts for everything from bumps and scrapes to the odd cold or virus picked up on travels. So when the troop made it to the Shakespeare's medical bay, they knew exactly what to expect and exactly what to do. Foggy carefully laid Bunce down on the bed close to the med bay door. Then they waited. On the Marlow, this is what every patient did when they had to go to the medical bay. They hopped up onto this bed, and then the doctors scanned, poked, squeezed, and prodded to take an initial assessment. I don't mean to be negative here, said Elias, but there's no one else on the Shakespeare. There's no doctor coming. True, said Finn. We're just going to have to figure out how to use this equipment and see what's wrong with him. Finn picked up a device that looked like a spoon attached to a microscope. How hard could it be, he said. How hard could it be, said Valet, to be a doctor? Finn clicked a button on the side of the spoon and... A light so bright filled the room that Finn couldn't see anything, even for a few seconds after he'd managed to turn it off. Okay, maybe you're right, said Finn, as he dropped the device back onto a side table. Excuse me, excuse me, what are you doing? The explorers were surprised to hear a voice coming from around the corner in one of the private rooms of the medbay. 
A small robot appeared and began rolling toward them. That is very expensive equipment, not a toy. Please, all of you, out, out. Wait a second, said Abigail. Who are you? I thought this place was empty. I am a dock bot. I would never abandon my space station. I am always ready to help any patient of the Shakespeare A20. Hey, that's pretty cool, said Elias. They made their own doctor robot. We probably should have made one of those instead of Voltronics. So you can help my dad, said Juliana. We were down on a planet and he suddenly just fell over. He's breathing and everything, but we can't get him to wake up. I am not a doctor bot, though they did call me a doc bot. I can only do so much for him. Mostly I scan and assess and provide a best guess diagnosis, which then a human doctor would consider and prescribe treatment. Great. So, no help, said Vale. The doc bot wheeled around and looked at Vale. I have helped the doctors of the Shakespeare in many, many ways. But what can you do that will really help us, said Vale. The doc bot shone a green light and seemed to scan Vale's head. I can see, for instance, that you have a donkey's brain. Hey, said Vale. Juliana stifled a laugh. Please, she said, can you just see what's wrong with him? The explorers all moved to the edge of the room while the dockbot wielded a number of devices, flashed an array of lights, and poked and shoved at bunts. Mm. said the dockbot. This is very strange. What is it? said Juliana. Well, the scans are inconsistent, said the dockbot. For instance, when I scan his arm, it's as though he's a different person than when I scan this arm. The biomarkers don't add up. I don't understand what that means, said Juliana. Well, the only time I know of this happening is when someone suffers from something called magic sickness, said the bot. The explorers all waited for him to continue. Magic sickness is what happens when someone uses too much magic. Magic is a strange force, and it has a number of effects on people that we still don't understand. It seems to change them. Bunce, for the first time, moved slightly. His lips parted and he muttered something so softly that no one could hear what he said. How do you know about magic sickness? Abigail asked the dockbot. Did Claudius have this problem too? I cannot discuss other patients. It is a matter of their privacy. You didn't really seem too concerned about that when you told everyone I had a donkey brain, said Vale. Like I said, I can't treat a patient, only scan and assess. I suggest, however that you let the patient rest. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've been working on a crossword puzzle ever since Claudius and the others left. Goodbye. The explorers all agreed to let Bunce rest. One by one, they filed out of the medical bay and into the corridor, but none of them knew what to do next. Maybe we should go back to the Marlow, said Abigail. If it's true that Claudius had this before, then he may know what to do. No way, said Elias. We can't trust anything Claudius tells us. And he would probably try to use the fact that we need his help to get free or to get the Marlow back. I think we should probably go to the captain's bridge, said Finn. Bunce probably had the location of the magic planet logged on there. We just set the coordinates and go there. If anyone can help him, it's an entire planet of magical beings. No one can help me, I'm sorry to say. The explorers all turned around and there was Bunce, standing in the corridor, but he looked different somehow. Well, one way was he had wings. The magic sickness is too far gone, he said. 
I felt it down on the planet, but I didn't want to say. Yes, I know you can all see my wings. I've started to take on the form of the various spells I've cast. The wings are from the birds I willed into existence. I don't want to tell you what else is happening. But let's just say that my shrinking of the planet back there has apparently made my toes very, very small. And it's kind of hard to walk. Dad, tell us where we need to go. Where to return the magic before it's too late and we'll do it, said Juliana. It's already too late, hun, said Bunce. Pretty soon I'll have Super Bunce's lasers, along with some other stuff that I've cast in the past. I don't know if I can control it, and I'll be dangerous to you and to everyone. No way. I'm not leaving you, said Juliana. Bunce's eyes lit up green. Okay, maybe I'll leave you for a little bit, said Juliana, just as lasers shot out of Bunce's eyes and the explorers scrambled away. All right, so we've solved the mystery of what's happening to Bunce, something called magic sickness, and he's taking on the properties of spells he's cast in the past, including Super Bunce's lasers, but there could be a lot more. He's kind of turning into this patchwork monster full of magical spells that he's done in the past. How are they going to solve this, and how are they going to do it before Bunce, who's now dangerous, harms them all? Well, I guess... You know what we do in this situation? We wait until next week and we find out then. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. I am glad that the spell that Jameson sent in has worn off and I can finish a sentence now. Uh, Jameson, please don't tell Bebop any more spells and nobody send any spells to earth at fincaspian.com. Subject line spells. Don't do it. Whatever you do, please. All right. Thank you so much. I hope everybody's having a great holiday season. Happy holidays to everybody out there. And uh, until next week, bye-bye-bye. Alright, thanks again for hanging out with us. Thanks for sending in all your spell ideas. Keep sending them in. Don't send them to Bebop, please. I don't want any more slipper fires in here. But please do send them to earth at fincaspian.com. Subject line, spells. The Alien Adventures of Fincaspian is a Gen Z kids production. Written and produced by Jonathan Messenger. Edited and guided by Griffin Messenger. With special thanks to Maria Villanueva. Our intern is, of course, Emerson Messenger. The music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg. The reason they voted the nicest gentleman in the universe. Our cover art is by Sir Ian Dingman. Whew. Sorry, ran out of breath for a second there. For more great podcasts for your family, go to gzmshows.com and we will see you next week. Wait. Me. Now. (sighs) Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.